You have to make do, amen. All right, we're going to be in Psalms tonight. I mean, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. So if you'd like to, to read tonight, you're sure welcome to do so. Proverbs chapter 19. It looks like we have 29 verses. Today's the 19th? 21st. I'm sorry. 21st. I don't know where I got 19th from. Wow, I'm way behind two days late. All right. Okay. So it looks like there's 31 verses and there's going to be four of y'all. Okay. Five. Six. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody get a verse tonight. All right, so let's do their six of us. Let's do five verses apiece. All right, you start us out, sister. Yeah, chapter 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithsoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. Thank you. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them, because they refuse to do judgment. The way of man is froward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. Amen, brother. Thank you. That brawling woman one was my verse before I gave my life to Christ. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. Whoso stoppeth his ears... At the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and the, a reward in the bosom strong wrath. It is joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Thank you, sister. The man that wandereth out on the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. There is treasure to be desired 
and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Thanks, sister. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness and honor. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Proud and haughty scorners is his name who dwelleth in proud wrath. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Thank you, sister. <clears throat> he, he coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? A false witness shall perish, but the man that heareth speaketh constantly. A wicked man hardeneth his face, but as for the upright, he directeth his way. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Hey Amen. I appreciate that, y'all reading here tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians with me, chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to continue preaching on one another, and here tonight is another passage that has something to do with one another, and we want to uh, get into it, break it down to uh, reveal what the Lord may have us to know tonight, and it's in chapter 6 and verse 1, and we'll begin reading there. It says, Brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another." For every man shall bear his own burden. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name here tonight, thanking you, Lord, for just being so good and kind to us. And God, I just can't get over that. Lord, how you just constantly and continue, Lord, to love us and care for us. And you never leave us nor forsake us. God, you never abandon us. Uh, Lord, even though we make you angry and even though, Lord, we, we bring forth the quenching of the Spirit, Lord, and we hurt the heart of God, and yet tonight, dear God, uh, you still draw us unto thee. You still convict us of our sin. God, you still care for us and love, for, love us tonight. And Father, we're thankful for these things. And we're praying now that you'd open our eyes towards one another. God, that we might get the truth of the Scripture concerning these things. God, that our lives may be changed. Our Christianity might be real. Lord, that our church tonight might feel, dear God, that each other tonight is of one another. And God, that we're not separate tonight, we're not individuals. God, in that, Lord, that we are one unit. God, we are a church, the body of Christ, yet made up of many members. But tonight, dear God, one head. 
in one body. We thank you tonight, Lord, for just the songs we were singing tonight. I know they were simple songs, but boy, they meant something to my heart. And God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I appreciate y'all coming out on Tuesday night. Uh, our flesh is not used to that. And so uh, I know that there was a fight and a battle in that, but I'm glad that you have prevailed. Uh, but then we appreciate you coming up here, singing a special. And uh, I can go back to work on Monday and tell everybody I sung a special because uh, they won't believe that at all. But uh, we are glad that you did, and I enjoyed that. I like from time to time, you know, that women sing specials and men sing specials. We've done that in the past. It don't ever happen on voluntary on a voluntary basis. It seems like it needs to be kind of organized or something. But uh, we we appreciate you just coming up here and doing that. And uh, it helps when there's nobody out there uh, to do something like that, doesn't it? Amen. All right. Here in Galatians chapter six, it's good to see Sister Mary and Brother Cat with us tonight. I know he hasn't been feeling well, uh, but I'm glad to see them tonight as well. Good to see Sarah on a Tuesday night. And uh, we're lucky to see you on a Wednesday night, much less a Tuesday night. Good to see Sister Cindy and Brother Wade back from their vacation and, and uh, where they've been traveling. And so we appreciate them being here too. Here in Galatians chapter 6. This is not a passage that you haven't read over. It's not a passage that you have not heard of. Uh, it's not a passage tonight that not many, many messages have been preached from and many things have been talked about. So you're not going to probably know anything or hear anything tonight new, uh, but I do want to continue on the thought of one another. You know, there's over a hundred times in the Bible, in the New Testament, that it mentions one another. And tonight we are going to find one of those, and I believe this might be, uh, I'm not going to say it's the most important one, but I am saying tonight that it's an important one. And that is tonight, this one another in these things in which you're speaking of, it's mildly important. And so we find here tonight in this chapter, uh, in this book of Galatians, that Paul was writing to the church. Now he's writing to the church because he has he has brought salvation to the church. They have gotten saved, and he has taught them. And while he left, there were some Judaizers and thumb that began to teach of the law, began to teach on things that, that were against Paul. And so you kind of see within the church there is a, uh, an uprising because of the outside teaching that is contrary to what Paul has taught, and then the people being uh, seduced in that kind of going forward to that. For example, in chapter 1 of Galatians, and look at verse 6 with me tonight before we get to chapter 6. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So Paul was telling the church, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, marvel that you have left what I taught you. I've let, you left, you left the things of grace. You left the things of a gospel to go to another gospel through these teachers that have infiltrated this church. And so we find, look in chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Again, Paul was trying to, to speak to these people to say there is a problem. There's something going on. There's something happening. It's not what it used to be. 
So Paul don't use terms like, oh foolish, or I marvel uh, at just anything. And then we find here in this uh, uh, chapter 4, and he says in verse 9, he says, but now after that you have known God, or rather you are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and times and years. He's saying you're going back to the law, you're going back to the circumcision, you're going back to the things that, that Judaism teaches, that Judaism uh, is not the power, it's not the authority, it's the gospel. Why are you doing that? What's going on here, church? And then in verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Why are you going back to the law? Why are you going back to the, to the commandments? Why are you going back to the things that have been taught to you prior? Uh, you know, stand in the liberty that Christ has made you free. Amen. We're not under bondage of those things anymore. We've been made free from those things. And so he's kind of uh, speaking to the church. And then he says there in verse chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law was fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. And so now he's saying that because of this teaching, because of these things, these bondages that you've been set free from and you're moving back to them, now y'all are having trouble. Now you're abiding each other and devouring each other and consuming each other, and, and it's just not good. And then Paul comes to chapter 6, and uh, well, actually chapter 5 and verse 26, he says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. So again, Paul is, is like in straits with the church of Galatia. And then he comes to chapter 6 in verse 1. And boy, he makes a, a tremendous statement concerning one another. He says this, and tonight I would hope that we could gain this. I hope tonight that we can gather this within our Christianity. Number one, I want you to notice about one another. He says to restore one another. To restore one another. In verse 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou should be tempted. The word restore, it means this tonight. It means to reset a broken bone. I thought about Nahum when he fell and broke his arm. And uh, I think he fell again and broke it again. Uh, I think they tried to reset it or set it, and it didn't what set right. And so we find uh, it's the same mindset, it's the same concept, uh, that it's something that broke, but to set it aright, to set it back in to where it needs to be, to where it was, to how it was before. It means to strengthen. And so to, to, to restore something, you strengthen something. Uh, the word restore also means to repair or adjust, or fit. It also means to make one what it ought to be. And so it kind of has that same concept of, of taking something broke and put it back in socket, put it back in the bone, put it back to where it belongs and set it 
so it be where it was before so it can heal right. That's the mindset of restoring. And tonight Paul was saying to not only the Galatia church but to us tonight is that we got a responsibility to one another to restore. To restore. I, I wonder tonight how much and how many of us tonight are even thinking about bringing restoration to others. How are we living ourselves and we're saying things like this, brother, I'm just making it day by day. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going, you know, hour by hour, minute by minute. It, 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 I'm such a hot mess. I'm such a, I'm such a confusing individual. I've got troubles on every side. I got everything that seems to be falling apart in my life. And here you are, want me to restore somebody? Here you are, want me to consider myself or even think about restoring somebody? And tonight the answer is yes. That if we tonight are going to be what God would have us to be concerning one another, we got to be thinking on terms of restoring, right. of not rebuking, yeah. uh, of not coming and criticizing and critiquing and, and going around looking at people's wrongs and judging them. And looking at folks who don't meet your expectation or doesn't follow your rules or doesn't go in the boundaries in which you set. And so you just throw them away. You just kick them out. You just say, listen, you're just not going to be part of my family, part of my life. You're not going to be in my arena. You're not going to be where I am. And so, you know, me and you just got to depart tonight. But that's not Christianity tonight. But Christianity tonight is this, restoring one another. And that's what we ought to be doing tonight. We ought to be looking at our own homes and finding those that are broken up, finding those who are coming apart, finding those tonight that need some restoring. And we are to be the first one in line. We are to be raising our hand. We are to go to them and say, I'm ready to restore you. Uh, we ought to find folks in church that just seem to be having times of hard times of difficulties. And we say, listen, I, I want to restore I want to be the one tonight not to divide and not to separate and not to be uh, the one tonight that causes the trouble and creates the, con the, the, con the friction and, and brings the contention. I be want to be the one tonight that's going to restore those things that are broken. We find tonight in the way of this restoring one another, number one, uh, the one needing restored. Who is the one that needs to be restored tonight if we're going to be responsible restoring them? Well, the one who needs to be, need, the one who needs to be restored tonight is the one that's been take, overtaken in a fault. Overtaken in a fault. Now, what does that mean tonight? Well, that means tonight it means that somebody's been caught off guard. In other words, yes, they sinned, Yes, they have done wrong. Uh, yes, they did not do what God would have them to do. But tonight, it was a situation uh, that they were caught off guard. It wasn't something they thought about. It wasn't something they premeditated. It wasn't something that they have already 
desired or ever already determined to do. It was something in their own way of life, doing their own business, living their life at home, at work, at church, at play, wherever you may be. And all of a sudden, something happened and it overtook you and the fault you've done, the sin you committed, was something really of a surprise. It was something of maybe a nature of this. The Bible says, let not filthy communication come forth out of your mouth. Now, we understand what that is tonight. That means that you don't curse. That means that you don't use vile language. That means you don't use God's name in vain. That means that you don't use sarcasm. That means tonight you don't use anything and everything that brings hurt or harm or suffering upon one with your lips or your words. Amen. I mean, it's very simple. Let not... The evil communication proceed out of your mouth. And you know what? Sometimes, I'll just be honest with you tonight, uh, and this because of the help of the Lord, it's, the, it's the, because of the Lord tonight, uh, that I used to cuss a whole lot, but I, don't, I never, been, I never cut, said a cuss word since I've been saved. Amen. That's just God. But I know situations will arise on the people who when they get in situations and things that happen and, and things are suddenly are overtaken in something and they'll say a cuss word. Mm-hmm. Right? Or they get angry. Or they lash out with a word of hate. Right? And you say, man, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to say that. That's what this word fault means tonight. It means overtaken. It means you were seized without a warning. It means to suddenly to be invaded. The word fault means a slip up. It means, man, it just happened. I, I got road rage or I came into the house and I, I spoke very ugly to my wife because I was angry at work or, or my, I, spoke, I spoke ugly to my husband because I was mad at the children. You know, it's a slip up. It, I didn't mean to. I didn't want to. I, didn't, I don't desire to. It's not in my heart to. But it's happened because it's overtaken me. Hope you understand what I'm trying to say tonight. We're talking about the fault tonight that means an unintentional error. It was unintentional. It means something tonight that a falling down. Now what we're not talking about tonight, we're not talking about a deliberate sin. We're not talking about somebody who did something, who does something habitually, somebody who does it continually, somebody who does it on purpose, somebody who does it because they like it, somebody who does it because that's who they are. I'm not talking about that kind of sin tonight. Those kind of sins we deal with in the Scripture, and we don't have time tonight, but uh, you deal with them in different ways. This sin that we're speaking of now is a overtaken in a fault. I could probably give you an example like this, which is a true example. Uh, I wasn't there. I don't know nothing about it. I just heard of it because I heard a preacher tell it. But it was something like this. He had a man in his church who got saved, and he was living for the Lord. He was living for God. And he was at work one day, and, and he heard somebody, somebody told him uh, about a situation in his house. They didn't say what kind of situation. He just said situation in his house. He was so upset. He was so hurt. He was so shattered in his heart that that night, or when he got off of work, he went down to the local pub, And in the local pub, he sat there. And he was so depressed and so full of pain and suffering and hurt. Whatever was going on in his home, it brought him to this pub. And he sat there. 
He didn't want to drink anything. He didn't want to do anything. He just wanted to cry. He just wanted to put his hands like this, but then somebody come by and pushed him over a drink. He drank the drink, and next thing you know, a woman showed up next to him. Next thing you know, he had a one-night stand. Next thing you know, he didn't come to church for eight months. This pastor began to search after him, try to find where he's at. He wouldn't return his call, wouldn't return his text, wouldn't uh, at all respond in any way. Finally, one day, after eight months, he responded. And the preacher said, can I just talk to you? Just want to see you. Just want to visit with you for a minute. And so he finally said, okay. So he met him at a park somewhere. They sit down. The man with tears in his eyes, the man with this look upon him as he's been defeated and he has been down and out. He looked to the preacher and said, Preacher, he said, I made a mistake. I did the wrong thing. I've been under great conviction for eight months. He said, I don't deserve to come to church. I don't deserve God to hear my voice. I don't deserve you to love me. I don't deserve to be around God's people. I'm very ugly. I'm very dark. I sinned before God. Didn't want to. Didn't plan on it. It happened. And I'm telling you, preacher, he said, I, I am so sorry. But I can't go on no more like this. I can't come to church. I can't be around God's people because I've done such an awful thing. And the preacher said to him, he said, listen, he said, when Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he died for that sin on that night when he died for you. Every sin of the past and every sin of the present and every sin of the future is all under the blood of the Lamb. If you would just confess your sin unto God, God will bring forgiveness to that sin. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll restore you back into the fold and he'll make you white again if you just come with that heart and that attitude. He said he put his arms around him and hugged him and loved him and said, listen, man, I, I don't tell you what you did was right, and I don't tell you what you did God was approved of, but I do tell you tonight that if you do it God's way, you can come back. Amen. You can be restored. Yes. And tonight, that's kind of an example tonight of this fault that I'm speaking of uh, that happens. It happens to people. And tonight, when they happen to people in our house, happens to people in our church, it happens to people in our friends or our neighbors tonight, we tonight need to understand what's my responsibility in that. Just to leave them alone? Just to let them be? Just to let somebody else talk to them? Just allow, allow them to run the course and allow them to go out and, and continue in this, this conviction, this, this, this feeling of, of rejection, this feeling of embarrassment, this feeling of having a, having a shame upon them? Do we just allow them to continue on in their own life, in their arenas? What do we do? We restore. We restore. And tonight, so we find that restoring one another. Can I say tonight, this is big. You know why it's big tonight? Because every single one of us tonight have the possibility and the probability of committing a fault. 
All of us tonight has the potential to find ourselves overtaken in a fault. And boy, I tell you tonight, many people, whenever you get overtaken in a fault, they want to turn their face. They want to turn and look the other way. And they want to go tell somebody else about your fault. And then they want to get together and shun you. And tonight, that's not what we are as a Christian tonight to do about this. We find tonight the one needing restored. We are talking about tonight an accident. We're talking about something tonight that's a mistake. You can say it like this. It's a fault that has overtaken you, not you overtaking the fault. It's not you taking the fault and taking charge of it, but it's the fault taking charge of you. All right, so we can kind of put it in those terms. Number two, nor do I notice tonight in restoring one another is that we find ourselves the one needing restored, but the one needing to restore. So now the emphasis is not on the one who has been overtaken in a fault, but the next one says, ye which are spiritual. See, tonight the one that is needing to restore and the reason why I need to restore is because I've been told to restore. It's, 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 not, it's not tonight I have options. It's not tonight that I have uh, multiple choice. No, if I'm a spiritual, if I'm one tonight that's spiritual, then I am responsible to restore that one who's been overtaken in a fault. Right. Tonight, we can't just allow them to go forth and to go on. Because God wouldn't have it that way. He doesn't want His children to be overtaken in a fault and not be restored. He right. said, well, well, then let God deal with it. But God is dealing with it. How is He dealing with it? He's giving us Galatians chapter 6. In verse 1, He's telling us, tonight if any brethren, 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 church, body of Christ, Christian, if any, any be overtaken in a fault, Ye that are spiritual, restore. That's how God handles it. You say, well, maybe God can handle it by himself. No, he's chosen to use us. He's chosen to use the spiritual to bring the restoring. And tonight, as Christians, we've got to be the ones who are spiritual to restore. So we need to talk about being spiritual, though. So we find tonight that word spiritual, of course, has the spirit in it. Amen? And so if those who are going to do the restoring, you're going to have to be spiritual. Now, the word spiritual tonight, it just means spirit. But I also notice in Galatians that Paul mentioned several times about the spirit of God. Uh, in other words, tonight, if you are spiritual, it's because you have been indwelt by the spirit of God. There ain't nobody in this room who's not saved is spiritual. And there's nobody in this room tonight, the Spirit of God has not indwelt you, that you are spiritual. The only way that you are spiritual tonight is because the Spirit of God. Amen. So if your Spirit of God has indwelt you by the way of salvation tonight, then you are spiritual. All right? So being indwelt by the Spirit of God. We find that in Galatians chapter 4. And look in verse 6 with me tonight. 
The Bible says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we see the indwelling of the Spirit. That makes you spiritual. Number two. Not only is there an indwelling by the Spirit, but there's a walking in the Spirit. Look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So those that are spiritual tonight are walking in the Spirit. They are living in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so tonight, if we are going to be the ones that are going to restore those who have been overtaken in a fault tonight, we're going to have to be walking in the Spirit of God. That means we're going to have to dwell like that. We're going to have to have a lifestyle of it. The word walking means a path, a road. It means an action. It means how you live your life. It means tonight how you reside. It means how you accomplish and and where you go and what you do. It's walking. So tonight, if we're going to have any restoration with those around us tonight, it's going to have to be done with spiritual people, and spiritual people are walking in the Spirit. Number three, they're led by the Spirit. They're led by the Spirit. We find that in chapter 5 and verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So to be led by the Spirit is the one who's guided, the one who is looking for the Spirit's leadership so that you can follow. See, you can't be led unless you follow. And you're not going to follow anybody uh, unless they are leading. The Spirit of God is leading, so that means tonight you've got to be look, looking for the leading of the Spirit of God. You've got to have some discernment. Uh, you've got to have some mindset. Uh, you've got to have some eyes. You've got to be looking, God, where do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to say it? When do you want me to say it? Uh, wh- what is it about, Lord? Ha- help me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. Direct me, Lord. Instruct me, Lord. Mm-hmm. See, these are spiritual people. Spiritual people tonight are looking for leadership. Of the Spirit of God. Because I'm going to tell you something tonight. There's a multitude of people in our homes and our families and our churches tonight that have been overtaken with faults. And they're not what they ought to be. But they could be more than that if we could restore them. We're looking at them and say, poor pitiful them. But they're looking at us tonight saying, poor pitiful us because you're not spiritual enough to restore me. Who gets hurt in that? They do. See, when we decide not to walk in the Spirit, when we decide not to be led by the Spirit, those who are being overtaken by the Spirit stay in their condition. God's not pleased. They're not pleased. God, tonight, help us tonight to understand restoring one another is a big job. I mean, it's a major task. It's something you and I tonight need to be looking in our homes and be looking in our churches and looking around tonight to find who has been overtaken in a fault so that I can be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and dwelt by the Spirit. And then lastly, to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to look there in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What is he saying? He's saying to be filled with the Spirit tonight is, or the fruit of the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. You're not going to have love tonight. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is. 
And out of love uh, comes joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and so forth and so on. Oh, but tonight can I just say that you're going to have to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the filling of the Spirit. You're going to have to be led by the Spirit. Uh, you're going to have to come to the place where you're indwelt by the Spirit and you're walking in the Spirit. Uh, the Bible says so clearly tonight that God is concerned about those who have been overtaken with a fault. God would not have wrote Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 if he was not concerned with those people. And if we look in our society, we're living amongst people who are just broken. If they can't find people who restore them, they won't get restored. We're living with children tonight. We're living with spouses tonight, with family members tonight that have been overtaken with faults. They got nowhere to go. They have no place, to, they have no place to, to go. They have no people to talk to. They don't know what to do. They, they don't have no idea of how to get out of this shame, how to get out of this guilt, how to get out of this, this grip. They, they, don't, they don't know what to do in order to get back into the flow of God, how to get back into the church, how to get back into the things of God because they've got to be restored. And we need spiritual people. God says those that are spiritual. So we say tonight, restoring one another, and we think about the one who needs to be restored. The Bible says that's the one who's been overtaken in a fault. And then the one needing to be to restore, that's the one who needs to be spiritual. And then we find number three, notice the one in need to restore. In other words, tonight, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So once we find tonight that spiritual one that can restore the one that's been fought, that's one has fallen, now he tells us how to do it. How do we restore them? Well, we restore them according to the scripture, it says, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So what we have to do tonight, we have to yield to the spirit tonight in, in speaking and talking and having conversation with the one who has been overtaken with this fault. In other words, we can't talk to them tonight. It says in the spirit of meekness, meaning we can't talk to them in anger. So we can't go to them and, and say, you know what? I'm very disappointed in you. I'm very angry with you. You have embarrassed me. You have embarrassed our family. You've embarrassed our church. You've embarrassed God. See, you, you're not the one to restore anybody. No, you can't do it. It's got to go in the spirit of meekness. Okay? And that is not anger. That is not anger. Many times tonight with our children, with our spouses, and with those around us, we find that they have fallen into sin. We have found that they have found into, fallen into the things tonight. Our first response to them is anger. Right? right. Disappointment. You frustrate me, right? You aggravate me. You aggravate the snot out of me. That's what we say. Well, that's not the way of restoring. You're not the one. You're not spiritual. So you just lay off. You're not that one. You can become that one, though. So we find that you're not going to go with anger. You're not going to go with blaming. Because you're not, not going to restore anyone who's done, been overtaken by a fault that they didn't want to do. It was an accident from the beginning. It wasn't on purpose. And here you are now blaming. 
That's not the spirit of meekness tonight. Blaming is not. And we do that a lot. We blame people. Yeah, they made a mistake. Yeah, they said a cuss word. Yeah, they got angry. And yeah, they did this. And yeah, they did that. Well, how are we going to restore them? By blaming them? No. Tonight, we've got to come to a place, if we're going to be spiritual, that's walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and dwelt by the Spirit, and then we're going to have to be under the spirit of meekness and not be angry at them or not be bitter with them or tonight not come to a place where we just blame them. This is your fault. You did this. You made that choice. We taught you different than that. Why would you do something like that? I can't believe that you, that you did that. Blame them. Will your friends make you do it? What happened out there, huh? Did, did, did somebody cause you to do that? Why did you do that? And they begin to blame. Number three, not condemning. See, that's not the spirit of meekness tonight is condemning. To condemning and say, you know what? If you don't get your life straightened out, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, you don't know that. You're talking out of your mouth. You don't know who's going to heaven and who's going to hell tonight. We, we say, well, you know what, uh, you, you condemn you, you know what, you, you are the sorriest, you're the low down, you're pathetic, you're a piece of trash, you're no good, you're a sorry daughter, you're a sorry husband, you're a sorry wife, you're pathetic, you make me sick, you nauseate me, I don't even want to see you. I mean, listen, you are something tonight, a piece of work. I mean, whatever you want to say, condemn. That's not the meek, that's not the spirit of meekness tonight to restore. Don't we see it's important? <laughs> May I tell you tonight, if we can get a hold of this just one point tonight and restore one another, man, we'd be a better off people. We'd be a happy church, happy life, happy wife. I mean, it'd be a happy husband, happy family. It'd be one happy, happy family. It'd be just a happy. You know, you got that happy meal? Yeah? Yeah, it'd be a happy meal. Oh, can I say tonight, it's not in correction. And the spirit of meekness is not in correcting. I don't understand why people feel they have to correct people in the, the words that they pronounce or the songs they sing or the lessons they teach or the clothes they wear or the hair color of their head. Why do we have to always correct? Who are you? We don't, that's not how you restore anyone. Is by way of correcting. You're not the corrector. You're not the Spirit of God. He's the convictor. He's the corrector. He's the reprover. He's the, he's the, he's the one who does the, the, all of the correction according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He's the one, not us. We're the restorer, not the corrector. And so tonight we got to learn how we're going to restore these people that God told us to restore because He wants them restored and back in the fellowship with Him. He wants them back in the work, worship. He wants them back into the service of the Lord. And we are the ones who have been told to go out and get them and bring them in. And tonight we can't do it by correcting them. we got to do it with the spirit of meekness. Spirit of meekness. And tonight we find that so many times we take our flesh, we take our upbringing, we take up how we feel like that we need to 
talk to people because, because a lot of times, I'll just be honest with you, because we're the father of the house and we feel like we can just say whatever we want to say and we can make any kind of rule that we want to make or because we're the head, we're the chief, we're the head cheese, we're the top dog. You know, we're the, we're the guy who's in charge tonight. But I'm sorry, sir, that's not the way God works. You still got to be bound by his word. And the mom thinks that she, because she's the manager of the house and because she's the mother of the children, because she's the wife of the husband, that she gets, to, she gets a pass on having attitude or she gets a pass of not doing her, what she needs to do at home. And she has a pass of being dishonoring or being disrespectful to her husband. She has a pass because she's the wife. I'm sorry, that's not, don't work that way. Don't work that way. Because you're a boss tonight, so you get to treat anybody and everybody like you want to. It don't work that. You don't get that. You don't have that right. So tonight we can see that restoring somebody, we have to do it with the spirit of meekness. The spirit of meekness. Because we're spiritual, the spirit of meekness is right with us. All right? So, so what is the spirit of meekness? Well, it's done in love. Right? That's the fruit of the spirit is love. And if you're going to be filled with God's spirit, you're going to be filled with love. What is love? Love, you're going to someone and you're saying to them, listen, I just want to let you know right off the bat, I love you. And by telling them that you love them, it's telling them that you're committed to them. That you, have, you now are not committed to them or you're committed to them, but you are now with them. I love you. I am part of who you are. I want to be where you're at. I'm letting you know I'm not an enemy of yours. I'm not going to correct you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to be angry with you. I'm not going to treat you in any other way. I love you. I'm here for your best interest. If there's anybody in all this world that can help you, that loves you and cares for you, is me. You can trust in me. You can believe in me. So that whatever I tell you, whatever I say to you, however I act to you, you can just know it that it's love, the reason I'm doing it. Number two, the word meekness not only means the spirit of meekness is love, but it means comfort. Comfort. For in order for us to restore someone, they're going to have to know tonight that we love them. But then they also have to know that when we're with them, they, we don't bring fear to them. Right. We, don't, we don't bring an intimidation to them. We don't bring to them a, a, an anxiety like, oh, what's he going to chew me out now for? What's he going to say now? Last time he hurt me hard. I don't even want to talk to him because after I talk to him, he gets angry and just condemns and yells and screams. See, that's not at all the spirit of meekness. Spirit of meekness tonight is comfort. So that when you're speaking to that one who's down and out, you comfort them. You bring ease. You bring rest. You, you bring a place where there is tranquility. They're not trying to get out. They're trying to stay in. Comfort. God's people need help tonight on how to restore the one who's been overtaken in a fall. Comfort, love. Can I say here, thirdly tonight, that the spirit of meekness tonight means humility. 
that you must speak to that one who has been overtaken in a fault and you're going to have an humbleness about you. There's going to be a lowliness of you. I don't care if you're the father. I don't care if you're the mother. I don't care if you're the wife. You're the husband. I don't care if you're the boss. I don't care if you're in some place of authority and place of a leadership or anything of that nature tonight. And somebody you're trying to restore in your home and your church tonight, you're going to have to come and you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to be very lowly. And you're going to have to tell them, listen, I'm coming to you with an humbled heart. I'm coming to you with a lowly spirit. I'm not better than you. You're not less than me. I'm coming to you because I love you and because I want to bring comfort to you, because I want to restore you. And I'm not coming here because I'm greater or bigger or smarter. I'm coming to you with an humbleness. I'm as little as you are, and I'm as big as you are. We're the same. Number four, it means... Patience. When you come into the spirit of, of meekness, you're coming in patience. You're not rushing. You're not saying, I'll give you one day. You're not saying, this is the last time. You're not saying, we're not going to do this anymore. You're not saying any of those things. You're just having patience with them. If they begin to cry, you just put your arm around them. You cry with them. If they begin to get angry, you just let them outburst and you just let them go forth and then when they get quiet you say with a kind and loving calm voice well you know that's not going to help anything now I'll be patient with you but you can't raise your voice you can't, you can't speak ugly to me I'm not your enemy I'm here to try to help you so there's some patience with them because you've got to know that the one who needs to be restored tonight, uh, they, they didn't want to do wrong. They did do wrong, and now they're not right with God, and now they've got shame and guilt placed upon them. They feel like they're out of sort with God. They feel like they're out of sort with the church. They feel like they're out of sort with the family. There's a lot of pressure on them. There's a lot of d- division with them. They're trying to separate. They're trying to find dark rooms. They're trying to find uh, deep corners. They're trying to find places where nobody could talk to them and see them and touch them and have, and have any kind of conversation with them tonight. So when you get with them, you got to be patient with them. That makes sense? Restoring one another. You know, I would say tonight that, and I think you would say this too, that if I ever are overtaken in a fault, I'd want somebody to restore me. Don't you? I'd hate to find myself weeks and months in the same condition as a place, as a one tonight that's just away from God. I would think somebody would care for me enough to come and be spiritual, to speak to me. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you tonight? Don't raise your hand, but the hand of your heart tonight. You'd raise your hand and say, listen, brother, anybody in this room, I'm letting you know right now, if I ever get overtaken in a fault, somebody spiritual, come restore me. That ought to be every heart's desire in this room. And we pray tonight that this one who's going to restore must be yielded to the Spirit. But I tell you, another need that they have, they have to be 
they have to be yielded to their self. Look what it says in verse 1. The Bible says, considering thyself. See, not only do you have to have the need to yield to the Spirit, but you're going to have to have the need to yield to yourself. You've got to begin to consider yourself. You've got to start considering that, you know what, that you are an individual as well that has some weaknesses. And as you talk to that one tonight that has been overtaken by a fault, you've got to consider your weaknesses. You also got to consider your failures. So when you're talking to them, as you're talking to them within yourself, within your mind and heart, you're thinking, I'm weak too. Right? I failed too. I'm not speaking to somebody where I'm standing over them and, and I'm, I'm way above them because I just don't get myself in those positions or I don't get myself in those conditions or our positions tonight. And so, no, no, I'm considering myself as I'm speaking to them of my weaknesses and my failures and my faults. Right? So tonight, whenever you're speaking to them, they don't know this or not, but they don't know that inside of you, you're considering that I'm weak too. I got faults too. And I failed too. This is a need tonight of those who are going to restore that one who are spiritual. The need to yield to the Spirit. The need to yield to the self. But then a need to yield to sin. Look what it says in verse 1. Lest thou also be tempted. Lest thou also be tempted. In other words, tonight... Sin draws you just like sin drew them. Right? We all put our pants on the same way. One leg at a time. Right? So there's nobody in this room extra special. And there ain't nobody in this room here that is exempt from sin. So we have to make sure that we are considering thyself lest, lest we find ourselves being drawn by that sin. Not only be drawn by that sin, but enticed. Sin entices you. Sin tests you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 says, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You could fall into sin. And that's what every, every spiritual individual must know and understand as they're trying to restore an individual that it could be you next time. Amen? You could be in this place. Right now you're here as spiritual trying to restore. But you could be here a brethren saved but has a fault that's overtaken you. You got to consider this. That'll help you. That'll help us tonight whenever we are trying to help someone, knowing tonight we think that we're going to stand. We don't think we're going to. I, I would never do what you just did. 
Oh, no, don't do that. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe a Christian would even do something like that. Tonight, you're in the wrong spirit. You done moved and crossed the line where the devil says, all right, you done opened the door for me. You done gave place to me. I know exactly where I need to hit on now. Because, see, you think that you can't be where they are. Oh, but tonight the Bible gives us and says, lest, lest thou also be tempted. You could be surprised by sin even tonight. Driving home, some car pulls in front of you. You put on your brakes real fast. The coffee that you just got at Starbucks, $8, is now on top of the dash. You say to your husband, what are you doing? I almost hit the car. And now I ain't got no, I ain't got no coffee. $8 coffee's all over the dash. What about the coffee? Look at the dash. And now you're angry with each other. You say, you say that really could happen? Oh, I'm saying it could happen. Sure. It could happen. Tonight when you're going home, you get in conversation, you bring up something from the past, and next thing you know it's triggered, and here we are mad at each other. We go to bed tonight. You go to bed in the couch. You go to bed in the, over here in the bed. You're over in the dark. You take off. You do this. You don't talk to somebody. I mean, you say, well, how did that happen? We just had a wonderful service tonight. Be ready. Be ready. It happens. So tonight when we are in the way of understanding how can we restore, we got to know that we got to restore yielding to the sin that we could be next. We got to know that. We got to know that. So restoring one another tonight. Restoring. One another. Can I say here, secondly, I won't have time to, to say much about this, but I want to say a little bit, then we'll, uh, next Wednesday maybe we'll talk more about it. But the next one is this, not only to restore one another, but to receive one another. The Bible says in verse 2, Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. To bear ye one another's burden. Now, what does that mean tonight as far as to uh, bear? The word burden means load. The word bear means to lift. So we are told in the Scripture for Christian brethren, Christian sistren, that we have responsibility to receive one another by lifting the load, the bearing the burden that they're carrying. You say, I got a responsibility to go to somebody who has a load in their life and to lift it? Yes. That's Christianity. I know we don't hear that much. But my responsibility is to you. Your responsibility is to me. And not only that, but the people you live with, they're the responsibility too to bear their burdens. Another definition of this would be to bear means to carry. The word burden means weight. So now we're told to carry the weight. So I have a responsibility in your life to carry your weight? Yes. It kind of changes the dynamic, don't it? How we just kick around and go around and we're fancy free and, and we say, I got no burdens at all. And you should have everybody's burden. 
I'm, I'm free, man. I'm telling you, life is good. Look around all those people all down and sad and weighty and loaded up with all kinds of trouble. I'm telling you, man, I just throw it all at the altar. I throw all my burdens down at the altar here. Every Sunday morning, Sunday night, I just throw them when I get up. I'm free as a bird. And everybody else around you is all burdened up. Yep, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burden. Isn't that something? You say, well, brother, aren't we supposed to throw our burdens down here? Yeah, we are supposed to throw our burdens down here. Absolutely. You are to throw your burdens upon the Lord every time. Every time. Throw them upon the burden. But at the same time tonight, you ought to bear one another's burdens. You see, throw it down, but you've got to bear it. You ought to find somebody tonight who has a load on. You ought to lift it up. You ought to find somebody tonight who has a weight on them. You ought to go carry it. Say, let me have that. Carry that weight. That's what the Bible's one another tonight. Boy, I'm telling you, it's big. Can I say thirdly, that word means to endure. The word bear means to endure. The word uh, burden means trouble. So it means to endure their trouble. You say, well, somebody's having trouble in the home. Man, endure that trouble with them. Man, they've got some children that are just rebellious or, di- dis- or disobedient, rebellious, and boy, that's a real, real trouble for them. Well, then they are to count on you to come and endure that with them. You say, man, I got my own troubles in my house. Well, I know you're selfish. You know, I, I got my own burdens in life. I know, I know, you're just self-centered. You know, I got my own load, man. I got a lot of loads on me now. I don't have time to carry somebody else's load. I know you're self-centered. You're not spiritual. You're Christian. You're Christian. You're going to heaven when you die. But you're just not what God needs in Galatians chapter 6. He said, I'm looking for somebody that can restore one another and receive one another. Tonight, I won't be that one. Tonight, if you're waiting for somebody else, you're not in the right position in the wrong mindset. It ought to be in our hearts tonight. Lord, I want to be that one. I want to be the one who bears the burdens of one another. And I want to be the one tonight who's that spiritual one that can go and restore that brother who has been overtaken in a fault. Looking at myself, knowing that I could be the next one. Tonight, that ought to be the heart of every child of God. That should be the Christian way. I tell you, to be something different in all of our lives tonight, if you and I could ever get to that place. Can you imagine our church? If everybody's looking for my burden and everybody's looking for your burden, you're looking for burdens, they're looking for burdens, everybody's looking here, everybody's looking there. I mean, what a, what a church. How about your home? Everybody's trying to restore each other. Everybody's trying to lift everybody's burdens up. I mean, we're just kind of all over each other trying to get everybody. Man, that's a great home. That's a great marriage. That's a great church. That's a great way of life. That's great. I mean, I want to be there, and I want you to be there too. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We just see tonight how Paul just laid these things out before us. In a church that was not doing so well. A church that just had some 
issues themselves. And you say, well, Paul, man, it seemed like to me you'd kind of straighten out the issues. But Paul said, no, I just want to restore some people. God wants you to bear their burdens. God don't want you to think that you're something when you're nothing, being deceived of yourself. And then he goes on to say, and we'll get to it next week, but he says, bear your own burdens. But that word burdens there is a different burden. It's, it's a different word. Help our church tonight. Help me, the Lord, that I'd be obedient to Galatians chapter 6. Now, we'll have an opportunity this Thanksgiving. I'm sure many of us will see people we haven't seen in a long time. I'm sure we might find some folks that we haven't been around in some time. Won't you start looking around, see if you can find any burdens, see if you can find anybody who's been overtaken in a fault, and see if you can restore somebody over this holiday day. But wouldn't that be a Thanksgiving? Find somebody who's been taken by a fault and you restored them? That's Thanksgiving. One who's under a burden, you say, I'll take that burden from you. Well, that's Thanksgiving. May it be so today. Anybody needs to come, you pray, need to do business with God. Anybody. And we're Tuesday. We're way, we're way from Sunday. We're a day early here. We got all kind of time. You come tonight. You come. Just just come to the altar if you need to and just just do business with the Lord. Just tell them how it is. Maybe you're not spiritual tonight. Maybe you're not being led and you're not walking in the spirit tonight. Maybe you're not filled. Maybe he's indwelt you because you got saved. But boy, I tell you, you're living by the flesh. You're living by the world. How about tonight? Maybe you're not even caring about people's burdens and you ask God to help you care about burdens. Tonight, you may have burdens yourself and you need help with them. Maybe ask God to send somebody your way that they might help you bear your burden. God help tonight. Your church tonight, Lord, needs help. Oh, we need to see what it really means for one another. God, show me a, a new light in this thing about one another. I never even thought about it this way. But my, it's part of impact on my heart. I see a new, a new love and compassion that I have. I see God working in my heart. God softening my heart. God's given me things I are able to see that I didn't see before. God continue to keep working on me. I need some help. Keep on working on us, Lord. We beg you. We plead with you. I'm going to pray right now for just uh, the message tonight. Then we'll open up for prayer requests after. Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus that we can... God, understand here tonight Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 and part of verse 2. God, I, I would think it would, it would change the whole dynamic of your church. God, it would change the whole atmosphere. It would change tonight, dear God, the, the very spirit in which we live tonight, dear God, if we would just take these scriptures, Lord, and, and apply them to our lives and to our hearts. God, I pray tonight that everyone in this room has a desire, God, to restore those who have been overtaken in a fault.
I pray everybody would desire to be spiritual. Everybody desire, dear God, tonight to, to not overestimate themselves and thanking, Lord, that they can get in that position. And then, Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord, that you've revealed to us that there's people with great burdens. And, Lord, we can help them with that. We thank you for that tonight, that you give us privilege to help your children. I know, Lord, tonight they can cast them at your feet, and I know they can lay them down at the altar. And I also know this tonight, dear God, that you, you said, cast all your care upon me, for I careth for you. I understand those things, Lord, but I'm glad you let us be part of taking people's burdens and loads, uh, God, that we can help them in their life, on this life, in this day. God, thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the privilege to be a help to others. You don't need us, but you choose to use us. God, you don't even have to, you don't even have to even uh, tonight even have any kind of desire, dear God, to, to have us do anything, for you can do everything. Lord, you've created everything. You've made everything. You're in charge. You're the authority. And yet you choose us, sinful, saved, serving people that's weak and fragile, just flesh, and yet, God, you choose us to bear the burdens of your children and to restore your children. God, I thank you for that tonight, that we might have a purpose and a reason. We love you now. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Any prayer requests tonight? Deeper than the sea was the love you showed us when you died on Calvary. Broader than the whole world, as far as east from west, you came to show us true love, so you gave your very best. And I know your love's dimension is beyond my comprehension, but this is my heart's intention, to serve you till I die. Oh, I know I can't repay you with the things that I may say or do, but I still want to obey because your love is always so true very true riches that are deeper than we can ever know yet through your holy spirit your will to us you show but though we keep on digging in the depths of your ways, when it's all said. 
then we still will have to say that we know your love's dimension is beyond our comprehension but this is our heart's intention to serve you till we die oh we know we can't repay you with the things that we may say or do but we still want to obey you because your love is always so true very true and i know your last dimension is beyond my comprehension but this is my heart's intention to serve you till I die. Oh, I know I can't repay you with the things that I may say or do, but I still want to obey you because your love is always so true.